0: Well, hey everybody, welcome to Grace Life. Would you put your hands together? Help me welcome all of our first time guests, both here in the room, as well as those of you online. So excited to be worshiping Jesus. Hope you are too. Hey, before we get into the message, I got an incredibly great announcement that I I want to share with you. We're getting ready to do an awesome thing. We're going to actually have our first church plant. Grace Life is going to plant another church in Potsdam, Pennsylvania, a suburb of Philadelphia. Can we get some excitement for Jesus that the church is growing on the earth? Yeah. So let me introduce to you Taylor and Shayna Boswell. Uh, we've had some staff members who have known Taylor and Shayna, like I think before y'all were married actually, so uh, a long time. So that relationship has been growing. Uh, you and I have known each other for over a year now. Uh, Taylor came and spoke at some of our youth events and so we've been building a relationship there. Uh, for a long, long time ago, God put it in his heart uh, to plant a church closer to where they're from. I'm going to let him tell more of that story so I won't steal too much of that thunder. But as we've talked and, and had a lot of conversations over the the past few months and year, uh, Taylor and Shayna felt like they wanted to be a part of what Grace Life was doing and to plant out of Grace Life. And so kind of made a plan, a change of plans, actually. So in the first service, we reordained Taylor. He's been ordained before, but we reordained him here in this house. And uh, the elders were on stage. We laid hands on Taylor and Shana and sent them out. And uh, so excited for that. But I want to give them a minute to share their heart with you and what God's called them to do.
1: Yes, yeah, so this is, I'm Taylor, this is Shayna. We've, uh, we've been married 11 years now, and we've had the call to really plan a church for quite a while. And uh, so we're planning a church just outside of Philadelphia in Pottstown, Pennsylvania, called Foundation Church, where really the vision is to build lives, to build culture, and to build kingdom. And uh, you know we are just, one, just super grateful for you, Jimmy. We're grateful for the elders, the staff, the team here, but also you, because you make this possible as you guys are sending us out to plant a church. You know, we wanna build a church that's multi-generational, but also multicultural. that looks like the kingdom of heaven. Because one day we will yep. be before the Lord and it's, not gonna be, it's gonna be every tribe, every tongue, every race. And so, man, we wanna, we wanna build a church just like that. And uh, you know, just like we sang, like we're, you know, this is, we, we, the Father's made a place for us in His house. Right. And we wanna build a house, a church, that where people can come from you know wherever they're at in life, they don't know Jesus, where they can find Jesus. They can use their gifts to build the kingdom of God uh, where they are at. And so we're just super grateful for you guys. We're excited for the future. I mean, we believe that there's, gonna, there's something that is taking place in Pottstown. God is beginning to do something new, something and is reviving a city. And so we wanna be on the really on the cusp of what God wants to do in PA. So we're grateful for you and for what you guys are doing that you guys would send us um, as a church. So we love you guys. We're grateful. Oh, we love you guys too. Yep. Excited for you.
0: Come on, let's celebrate that, everybody. Woo! So as we send and plant a church, that means we are behind them in prayer, we're behind them in mentoring and logistics, and we're also behind them in finances. So a lot of our missions funds will be able to help them do that. I want to let you know that if you want to be a part of that, if maybe it's just on your heart or or you're from Pennsylvania, by the way, if you know anybody in that area, make sure they know so they can reach out to them. Uh, But you can uh, designate some giving to help them out if you'd like to do that as well. And so uh, with that being said, everybody, I want to, before we get into the message, I want to talk about what's going to start next week. We're going to do something that we did four years ago. We haven't done it, obviously, for four years because that's what that means. I don't know why I said that sentence. But anyway, back to the point. We did something four years ago that everybody has been asking, when are we going to do that again? And what we did is we, we did a sermon series that had a small group study that went along with it. So in our life groups, uh, we gave you a book that went with the study and, and you got to talk in the group like what you're learning from the preaching. Because, you know, it's one thing to sit here on a Sunday and listen to me. It's another thing to actually take time and apply it to your life. And the truth is the American church has a whole lot of preaching and not a whole lot of applying, but that's another sermon for another day. And so we intentionally are trying to do something that will draw us together in smaller groups where you can actually learn names and you can learn faces, you can share stories, and you can talk about what God is doing in your soul through the series. It's a series called Closer with One Theme, getting closer to Jesus. Anybody in here could stand to be a little closer to Jesus in your life. All right, I'm glad I saw a lot of honest hands there. We need that, okay? Uh, This series is written by a friend of mine who pastors a church in Texas. He's an author, writes a lot of books. And uh, so what'll be happening in our life group starting next week as we start the series next week is, uh, again, we'll give you a closer book for free in the life groups, not here on Sunday. And uh, we'll also be seeing videos. He went to Israel with a film crew And recorded on location videos for every single small group so that'll be pretty cool and uh, then he's also going to come and close out the series six weeks from now he'll be preaching the last message in that series just to give you like a 15-second taste of what it's like turn your attention to the screen as you get close to Jesus you lose your reliance on your own self ability and you're overwhelmed by the magnitude of his power, his ability, and his wisdom. And every time you just humble yourself more and say, I, I, I know my inadequacies. I know my failures. See, this is going to be a theme of Jesus' life. And it's a theme for all of us today. You don't come into a relationship with Jesus. You don't get closer to Jesus by striving and trying more. You do it when you see He has completed something you could never complete. His life and his whole, everything about who he is fulfills and satisfies the greatest longings in your life and you completely surrender and you say, look, I know my inadequacies. All right, so hope you're excited about Closer. Next week, those groups start. So right now, they're gonna put a QR code on the screen. You can hit that code and find a closer life group for you to be in. Almost every one of our life groups will be a closer group for the next six weeks, whether it's a men's group, women's group, couple's group, family group, whatever it is. But if you're not sure if your group that you're already in, if your life group, you're saying, I don't know if we're doing it, you can either ask your leader or simply hit the code, find out if your current group is on the list. Uh, If not, join one of these. There you go. With that being said, one more thing that we're going to have to start doing and we're going to start it right now before we get into the message. And that is everybody take a look around and uh, see if you can find an empty seat. There you go. That's the problem. Uh, We actually had people in the last service sitting in overflow, and uh, as you can tell, there's not a lot of seats left in here. Um, We uh, do not currently have a larger auditorium under construction, in case you did not notice. It's not happening. Uh, That means we're a few years away from that, and we're already running four services. So here's what I need from you. I need you to love the person who sits beside you. If you currently don't, find a new person to sit beside next week. But we're gonna to have to start to take these empty seats, especially the ones you guys leave like right in the middle of the aisle. We're gonna to have to make it easier for people to get into those seats. So I know some of you, you've got like your precious outside chair and uh, Jesus died on the cross for you, sit in the middle for him. Okay. That's, that's not in my notes and I've never said it, that just strange things go through my head at times. Um, But in all seriousness, we actually, I know it doesn't look like it, but there's probably about 100 empty seats in this room right now, and we need to use those 100 seats here over the next year. Uh, because otherwise uh, I need you all to join a serve team and help us do three more services, right? I mean, so the easiest way for us to reach more people, there are more people that need to get saved. There are more people that want to be a part of a life-giving church. And so if you would, please um, come in and just find somebody you like, sit in the very seat beside them. uh, and, And let's fill this up because as it goes on, we don't want guests to feel like there's no place for them. We don't want somebody who has never been to church to come for the first time and feel like there's no place for them. So can we do that together? Uh, By the way, there's one other thing you guys can do specifically. Those of you here at our 1030 service, which is our most crowded service. You are very welcome to sleep one extra hour, have an extra piece of bacon because our noon service has a few more seats. And if that works for you, I'm still there. I'm still preaching it live. Same thing. And by noon, man, I'm getting to where I'm having a whole lot of fun. So sometimes that service... They, they have. Yeah. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say about that. Well, if you are a guest, we are closing out a series today. Uh, it's a series we've been doing called Mindset. And today is part four. Uh, the series is built upon two things, a quote and a verse. And the quote that we've been looking at all throughout the series is your mind is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. How many of you believe that by now? You've heard it from me every week. We've been talking about it. You know it to be true. Your mind is always moving in the direction of your Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And so that's why it it matters to us what we are thinking. And so I got that quote from a book that I read doing research. Now, I know I just recommended a series coming up. I don't know him personally. I don't get anything from this. He does not even know I'm recommending his book. He's just a great author, great pastor. And I've been recommending Winning the War in Your Mind by Craig Rochelle because I'm telling you, not every book I read do I get excited about its ability to help people. This one I did. I've already been giving out copies. I had a whole life group come to me and tell me they'd been doing it last fall. I didn't even know about it and how excited they were for what it had done. Uh, I heard a story from a disappointed daughter last week. I'm currently looking at her dad. And uh, the disappointed father uh, took my advice, went home and bought the book, and then wouldn't leave the couch Sunday until he finished it. And the daughter wanted his attention and she didn't get it. So there you go. That's all I'm going to say about that. It's a great book and I hope it'll help you. So with that being said, let's move on. The verse. The passage that we built this whole series upon comes out of 2 Corinthians 10, 5, and maybe you've memorized it by now. How many people have it memorized? Okay, too bad. Then I have to read it again and you don't get a cookie. Here we go. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. We take every thought captive. See, this series is actually about three major mindsets that we need to take captive Because they are mindsets that we live out of. They are part of our normal everyday functioning. We don't even notice that they are there, but they keep us from being who we're called to be and having all that God intends for us. So the first part of the series was just laying the foundation that there is a battle for your life taking place in your mind. And then we've taken the other three parts to look at those three mindsets. The first mindset we looked at was the mindset that simply says, I can't change. Who you see today is the best version of me. Or it'll definitely never get better. I'm stuck, I'm trapped. Either it's the devil's fault or it's my fault or it's my circumstance. I don't know what it is, but I'll I'll never have a better tomorrow. And and there is such an incredible lie from the devil. The Bible actually tells us that the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter every single day. What God has for you tomorrow is way better than what you've been through today. Has anybody ever had a really bad day? You wanna know the good news? Is tomorrow is always coming. Because God has something better for you than what you have already lived. To believe the lie That you have your best days behind you, that would be sad. It's not God's plan. That was part two. You can go get it online if you've missed any of this. Part three, we looked at the mindset of I see the bad. I look around. I see what's wrong with my spouse. I see what's wrong with myself in the mirror. I see what's wrong with everybody else. I see what's wrong with the government. I see what's wrong with my school. I see what's wrong with my job. I see what's wrong. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And, and, you know, first of all, if you live like that, with that mindset that everything around you is just bad and there's just such a problem and and there's no hope. How many of you at some point, you just like want to go home and crawl under the bed and never come out, right? Well, the truth is, if you have that mindset, it usually comes out of you. And everybody around you also wants you to go home and crawl under the bed and never come out. (laughs) Part three, it's online as well. Today, though, we're going to look at the last mindset, and I think it might be the one uh, that causes us the most trouble. Where these mindsets came from, when I was designing the series and doing research, I sat down, just took a time to pray with God and asked God, what are the three things that really trap us, maybe more than others? And I'll be honest, it was not a long prayer session. I didn't have to take a long time to feel like I heard from him because I've been a pastor for a long time. I've done a lot of counseling. And there are three ways of thinking, three mindsets that seem to trap people more than any else. And the one that I'm closing out with today, I think is honestly our biggest troublemaker. And that is the mindset that simply says, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not lovable enough. Fill in the blank for you. I'm not enough. That's what traps us. And, and before I go any further, I don't, I don't want you to think I'm just up here, you know, preaching at you. I'll, I'll tell you, I've had this struggle as much as any other human I've ever met. For for just because of the way the world is broken and what we go through, I grew up always feeling like I was on the outside of any group looking in. And it didn't matter what it was. I always felt like the cool kids were over there. I was over here. The smart kids were over there. The the popular kids were over there. The talented kids were over there. It It didn't matter what the story is. I always felt like I was on the outside looking in and I could never get in. But if you ever find yourself on the outside looking in and doing anything you can to get in, there is always one guaranteed result. And we've all experienced it insecurity. You spend your whole life thinking you're not good enough and wondering what everybody else thinks about you. You, you, you dress a certain way just to make certain people feel good about you. You, you, you say certain things, hoping that people will laugh at your jokes. You, you hang around certain people and don't hang around certain people just so that other people will hang around you. And everything is all about what you can do to impress other people. I'll give you a little bit of good news for me, and I hope it's true for some of you and will be true for more of you by the time we're done today, but the Holy Spirit's done a lot of work on me over the years. First of all, is there anybody in here in middle school? Middle school, anybody? Okay, God bless you. You are literally living in what I would say are the worst years of your life. I know you want out of there. Look, I taught middle school, and I want it out of there every day. I mean, I was like, yeah, anyway. So, and then it's, it's just crazy in high school, but here's what happens at some point all those cool kids that you thought were in the other crowd you grow up and you figure out they're not as cool as they thought they were and uh, you might be some of their bosses someday so you just hold on it, it'll, it'll get better but that is one thing that will help with that issue the other thing is when when God begins to heal you like he did me God's done a lot of healing in my life and over the years I've finally place it's not perfect yet I mean I still have days where I, I struggle with that thought coming back but for the most part I can say that I honestly know that all I need is, is for God to love me. Because if God loves me, and I can simply be who I'm called to be in Christ, then the right people will love me. I don't need every human on the earth to love me, and I don't need to try to impress everybody. I, I just need to be who I'm called to be. And, and I've gotten to a place where I think if, if I'm faithful to God, I already know God loves me, then, then I, I can walk in that. And God's done a lot of healing. But every single one of us, I think, struggles. I I don't think anybody would dare say, I I don't really have any thought, no thought ever comes into my mind because even though I can tell you, I think I've been dramatically healed over the years, I also still out of the blue will have the devil whisper. I'll walk into a a pastor's conference and and just hear that you're not as good as all these people. I might walk into here some Sunday mornings and and just look around and I I just hear that little thought, that guy's a better father than you, that guy's a better husband than you. I bet that guy over there never opens his mouth. He could probably preach better than you. It's just crazy what the devil will say. And I think every single one of us has some struggle with this mindset that says I'm simply not enough. And here's what happens when that's deep down in us and we're struggling with it. When you look in the mirror and you believe that you are not enough, then you will also believe that everyone else is looking at you and saying you're not enough. And it's going to affect every relationship you have. And then you also are going to believe that that God looks at you and says that you're not enough. I think this is the most devastating of the three mindsets. This might be the most devastating lie that we have bought into in this world. And so today, I just want to ask a very simple question. How many of you want to take this mindset captive? Anybody with me? All right, that was enough hands to encourage me to keep going. The rest of you, I hope you are already free. You can go ahead and turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. while you're turning there, I want to give a little preface to what I'm about to show you in Scripture and and kind of begin with this whole issue. Why is there such a struggle for us to believe that we're enough? Why is there such a struggle for us to believe that we're enough? The simple answer is because there are some needs that we have in our soul. There's actually a core need in our soul. It's three things so intertwined that it really works like one. And none of us in this broken world get this need perfectly met. And when this need is not met, we look around and begin to believe we're not enough. And these three things that are so intertwined, three simple words for you, affirmation, affection, and approval. We all need affirmation, affection, and approval. I need you to know that there are things we believe we need that are corrupt. And you might believe you need a certain amount of these that has become corrupt, but there is a right amount of that need in every single one of us. It's how our souls are created by God. And let me show you something really cool in scripture. This is in uh, Mark chapter one, verse 10, Jesus has just been baptized by John the Baptist. And it says, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son, whom I love with you, I am well pleased. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. And and in one sense, that's really very interesting that the father would share this with the son because Jesus is fully God and perfect. Jesus has no hole in his soul like you and I have, right? Everybody understand that? Even though he was fully God, though he was also still fully man. And he felt everything we felt. He experienced everything we experience. And he also was demonstrating, his entire life was demonstrating for us what it is like to be a human filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why he told us we will do greater things than he did. And so I think one of the things that was happening is the father was demonstrating that there was a right need because he would have never fulfilled a wrong need for his son, would he? No, but there is a right need. There is a right amount for humans to know that they are affirmed, that they are loved and that they are approved. He said to him, you are my son. This is when you get approved for simply being who you are. You don't have to do anything right. I affirm you, your value is in your being. One of the best examples we have in our broken world is when a mom uh, picks up her newborn baby. Have you ever seen a mother pick up a newborn baby? And she just smiles. And she says, You're just amazing. This baby has never done a thing except spit up and poop. It has never done one reputable thing in its life. It makes a mess nonstop. And yet the mother goes, "Ah." you are affirmed simply because you exist. Your being is enough. And way too often in our world, we are told your being is nothing until you do something else. It's all about works. And that's a lie from the devil. We actually need to know your being is enough. Your father in heaven loves you. People on the earth love you. The right people on the earth love you. Are you with me on that one? And he moves on. He says, this is my son." whom I love. It's affection. Here's a simple truth. We all need to be loved. Why? Because we're made in God's image and God is love. That means that we need to give love, so we need to experience love, so we need love. And then the last one, he says, with you I am well pleased. This is approval. Raise your hand if you want somebody to come to you and tell you, you stink, you're horrible, I don't like you. None of us, right? None of us. Thank you for paying attention and not raising your hands on that one. Everybody here wants to hear, you're great. You're great. You want to have a teacher come to you and go, man, you did the best of anybody on this test. Some of you have never heard those words. (laughs) I pray you hear them. Some of you, all of you want to hear your spouse say, you're an incredible husband or wife. Every single one of us wants to hear our boss say, you're my favorite employee. I'm so glad you're here. Please, I'm going to give you a raise. Don't ever leave. We all want to know that we are approved. I'm gonna tell you the truth though. This is a little bit extra for free. As a pastor, I spend a lot of time counseling people and I've I've had people in front of me and and whether it was a marriage or whether it was a a parent and a child or a child and a parent, whether it was two business partners, whenever two people get in front of somebody for help, first of all, praise God, they're at least asking for help because there's a whole lot of people that need to be there. But every single time in that relationship, there was a deficit in one of these three. One of those people did not feel affirmed, loved, or approved. And in any relationship where I saw a serious deficit of all three, that relationship ended up broken. So although the rest of this message is about helping you get these three in the right way, I do just want us to not miss this moment of saying, when when you're in a good place yourself, take an inventory of the relationships around you. Because you need to start to measure my brother, my sister, my spouse, my children, my parents, my friends. Do I show them affirmation? Do I show them affection? Do I show them approval? Because the health of your relationship is going to depend upon that. But let's get back to us and let's keep going. Because there's actually a primary reason that we have this mindset. There's one reason above all, and it's very, very simply. We live in a broken world, and so none of us get this need met perfectly. And so we start to believe if no one is meeting that need to affirm me, I'm not affirmable. If no one meets that need to love me, I'm not lovable. If no one meets that need to approve of me, I'm not approvable. So I look in the mirror and say, I'm not, fill in the blank, enough. I'm not enough. And you know what happens when you begin to believe you're not enough You either spiral down very, very quickly, or you try to stop the spiral by looking around and finding somebody else to compare yourself to. It's called the comparison trap. And it's the only way as broken humans that we think will get us out of this. But the reason we call it a comparison trap is because it sucks you in and you never find what you're looking for. Anybody ever found what you're looking for comparing yourself to somebody else? Let me show you what scripture has to say about this. It's in 2 Corinthians 10. It says, not that we dare to compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves. In other words, anybody, over they're going, look at us, we're awesome. We don't compare ourselves to them. But when those people do, when they measure themselves by one another, well, I'm first, you're second, I'm better than you. And they compare themselves with one another. They are without understanding. The Bible literally tells us if we are trying to find solace for this issue by saying I'm better than you, I'm not as good as you, that we, we're completely lacking an understanding of what's really going on and what will solve it. Now, here's the problem. If you're breathing, you do this. It's one of the results of this fallen world. And I'm actually gonna try to help you figure out a little bit of how it came to be. Because for every single one of us, this started in us and we didn't even notice it, it just came from nowhere. Probably about kindergarten, but somewhere very early in your single digits. You see, here's what happens when you're three years old. You draw something on a sheet of paper with crayons and you take it to your mama or your daddy. And your mama goes, oh, I just love it. You're so amazing. Take it to your daddy. and He goes, oh, that's nice. What is it? Because let's be honest, it's just crayon drawing all over there. Or you made something out of Play-Doh and you brought it to your daddy. and said, look what I made. And he's like, oh, that's an awesome tree. And you go, no, it was a car. <laughs> but they still love you and you're, you're, you're great. You just keep on going, no problem until you get somewhere. Maybe it was daycare at four years old. Maybe it's kindergarten. Maybe you made it to first grade. But somewhere in those, those middle years of the, the single digits, you found yourself surrounded by other people. It might have happened in PE class. That's where it hit me. Might have happened in in music class. I was okay there. Might have happened in art class. Look, We'll we'll just use art class as an example. So here you are, kindergarten. Everybody goes to art class. You're all excited because your daddy loves your tree car and your mama loves your drawing out of crayon and everything's going to be great. And the teacher gives everybody crayons and says, hey, let's all draw a cow. And and so you draw your cow and you know your mother's going to love it because it actually has legs this time. She's going to be like, you're awesome. But after you draw your cow, you look over and it turns out that the next Michelangelo is in your art class and that's only funny today because when you were five you felt a pain you never felt before it might have been in PE when you tried to throw a ball straight everybody else could yours went that way might have been in music class might have been when a spelling test everybody else got 10 out of 10 you only got one out of 10 but every single one of us at some point about that point in life we felt a pain right here and we asked What's wrong with me? Some of us are still struggling with that. Most, let me reword that. Almost every one of us is still struggling with that pain. We've never had it healed. We've just believed it's one of those things we have to deal with in this world. We're just going to have to keep comparing ourselves. Here's the problem with the comparison trap is there are only two options. One is that you look around at everybody else that is... Better than you and you feel bad about yourself and the only result is discontent. The other one is that you look around at people that are less than you and have accomplished less than you and you feel a false sense of pride. and You think, "Okay, I can make it through life. And most of us make it through life by knowing I'll never be like them, but at least I'm better than them. But here's the problem. We've missed the whole standard. Your goal in getting to heaven is not to hear well done, good and better than Johnny. But that's the way the human race lives. It's not what we're called to. But we figured out it's the only way we can keep our head above water. But the good news is, that's a lie. Matter of fact, let me share with you, if you're gonna compare yourself, there is one comparison worth making. There is one comparison worth making and it is the picture of you in here. Because see, God has a design for you, for your destiny, for your life, for your soul. God has a design for you in here. And let me just say it right as I said that. Some of you heard that whisper. Once again, the whisper came back. Oh, don't don't do that. If you go looking in there, you'll just find one more thing to tell you you're not good enough. Come on, some of you heard that. Look, I'm not gonna lie to you. I can 100% promise you there is a better picture of you in here than the one that you're currently living. That's just the truth. But that's not a bad thing. That's a great thing. What we misunderstand about that is you think, oh, there's a picture in here of me that I've got to try so hard to live up to. I've got to work and I've got to do that. Listen, you have failed miserably at working hard and trying really hard. That's why it's never done. You're in the end of January and some of you have already like you're three months behind on your one year Bible reading, right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, like when you try and try and try, you fail miserably. The picture of you in here is one of you with Jesus as your King filled with the Spirit of God doing that work inside of you. And I can promise you, as long as you're partnering with the Holy Spirit, you're always enough you'll always be enough so what's the answer because some of us will say you know why does this matter to us this is just me it's just my problem nobody else is going to be bothered I'm just like go to work and I'm going to feel like nobody likes me and I'm just going to go home and close my doors it's just my problem Jimmy so why are we worried about this here's the deal it's not just your problem it affects every single thing going on around you in the world and it affects your ability to take your place in this world Let me show you some things that happen. The first one is this. If we believe we're not loved, then we can't love others. If we believe we're not loved, we can't love others because God is love. God defines love. God gives love. We receive love so that we can give love. Let me show you 1 John 4, one of the simplest and best verses in the Bible. We love because... Because Everybody say that word with me because he first loved us and what happens and what that means is, is that we can't love until we've been loved by God. If you're not a child of God, you're going to have a, a disconnect on what it means to actually love somebody. You may be able to have like or lust, but you're not going to be able to have love. We've got to experience the love of God making something whole inside of us before we can give that to somebody else. But even if God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you, which is truth. Some of us have not connected experientially with that love. So experientially, we have nothing to give out to other people. Second thing that will happen is if we believe we're not loved, we won't reach others. And this is important because it's the only reason Jesus left us on the earth. Now, the most baffling thing happens When you hate yourself and you feel you're not loved, this is baffling because it seems so counterintuitive, but we become the center of our attention. Isn't that crazy that the thing you hate becomes the center of your attention? And the reason for it is because when you walk into a room, you can't think about those people. All you can think about is what do they think of you? Is everything right? Did I dress right? Is is this the right outfit? Uh, Did I say the right thing when I walked up to them? Did they laugh or they give me a weird look? Uh, Did I take a shower? Do I smell good? I mean, everything becomes about you at every single moment. And if all you can see is you when you walk into a room, you'll never see the lost people around you that need Jesus. And just for the fun of it, if you even saw them, You'd be so overwhelmed with the insecurity and the fear of them, you'd never say a word about Jesus to them. One more. If we believe we're not loved, we simply won't expect much. We just, we won't expect much. This happens in both arenas, one with people and one with God. Let's talk about the people arena first. If you believe you're not loved by yourself, You look in the mirror and you don't love what you see. You believe all those people won't love what you see. You don't expect anybody to be your friend. You think if you ask someone out for coffee, they'll say no. Think if you ask someone out on a date, they'll say no. You think if you ask a coworker to go to lunch, they'll say no. See, let me share something with you. It's what we use in in counseling and in the psychological world. It'll be real brief, I promise, it won't be painful, but it'll really help some of you, maybe all of you. It's what we call the belief behavior expectation cycle. And it's a cycle because it keeps going and it actually feeds itself to get worse the second time around, the third time around, the fourth time around. Here's the way it works. If you have the belief that you're not loved and so no one can love you, so you'll be rejected. That belief dictates your behavior. When you go to a party, even though you're like, why am I here? Well, that look is on your face. And you don't walk over to the people that you think are going to reject you. Actually, you go and you stand in the corner and you're alone and you have a look on your face that says, I'm alone, nobody loves me. And everybody else in the room looks at your behavior and says, I don't know if they just had a bad day or, or if their raccoon got run over in the street or what. Like, I'm just going to stay away from them. And so then your expectation to be rejected was confirmed because of your behavior. And that expectation only makes the belief stronger next time you go somewhere. Now you really believe and you have evidence that you'll be rejected because you're unloved. So your behavior will be even stronger. And then the next time, y'all see how that works? Here's what you need to know. The only place to stop that cycle is at the belief. Your behavior will always come out of your belief. People will always respond to your behavior. The only thing that can ever change is what you believe. If you walk into a room and you believe that the right people will love you. Look, here's the real deal. There are mean people in the world. There are broken people in the world. There are fallen people in the world. And if you are worried about every single person's opinion, you're absolutely going to be disappointed. You only need the right people to love you. And that is friends or family, uh, the the family of God. I mean, whatever it is, when you walk into a room, it's okay if everybody doesn't love you. You may have walked into the wrong room. Some of y'all are going to the wrong parties, by the way. And teenage girls, can I just... I don't even know where this is supposed to go in the message, but teenage girls. I don't know if there's anyone that gets a louder lie of the devil that you're not enough. I just need to let that sit. Just apply all of this because that's a lie. And if we believe people are not gonna do much for us, we don't expect much, then we won't expect much of God either. I mean, I look in the mirror, I don't like me. Why would God? Why would he answer that prayer? He's got so many people and some of them are just so much better than me. God, you just, so why would he answer my prayer? 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 Why would he fulfill my dreams? Why would he do something amazing through me? Who am I? What am I? I'm not enough. God, go, go bless people who are enough. All right, so what's the answer? very very simply believe who God says you are and what he says about you believe who God says you are instead of the world or the devil which often are one and the same instead of believing any other standard any other idea Any insult you got in middle school, any article you read in a magazine, anything else, instead of believing anything else, all we have to do to change this is to simply take this mindset captive that says I'm not enough. Say, of course I'm enough. My God says I am. My daddy in heaven says I'm enough. Now, look, I know it's simple when I say that, but it's not easy, is it? As I was writing my notes for this message, that's what I wrote. I know it's simple, but it's not easy. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me at that point, are you sure? Maybe that's just another one of those lies you believe. I want y'all to think about that for a second. Why is it not easy to just believe what my daddy says? Why do we believe it's not easy to believe what my daddy says? I've got four kids I don't lie why would they not believe me we just finished our week of prayer and fasting and I promised them all we'd take you to five guys on Saturday night one of them texted me Saturday afternoon are we going to five guys I wanted to slap him (laughs) yeah yeah we're going we're going why is it so to just believe. Yes, daddy, you said it. Let me ask you this question. How many of you believe what God says about you? Here's a better question. How many of you know what God says about you? We do not have time. at my jokes that well (laughs) we do not have time for me to tell you everything your father says about you there's another service and you have to go and work go to work tomorrow but I did think the best thing I could do is close by at least giving you a little taste of some things your daddy says about you because you need to know and I think the more that you know how much your daddy loves you things he says about you I think you'll be able to start to say you know what it's not so hard because the only time you think it's hard to believe him is because you're believing a lie you're actually believing the voice of the devil over the voice of your father did you know speaking of your father you are a child of God the Bible actually says that his spirit himself bears witness with our spirit inside of us that we are children of God So you need to know that whenever the devil whispers to you, you need to remind him your father has already dealt with him once and he'll do it again if you just cry, daddy. Did you know that you are forgiven and justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Scripture tells us since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God, peace with God. When you wake up and think God doesn't like me today because I did that yesterday or I did this or something else and you feel guilt and you feel shame, you need to know you don't need to feel those things anymore because peace in your relationship with God is what you have because of who you are. Did you know you are a new creation? The Bible tells us that if anyone is a Christ, he is a new creation. The old you has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So when the devil reminds you of your past, remind him it's your past. Y'all thought I was going to say something else there, didn't you? Y'all heard another version of that. It's a good one, but just not for now. Did you know that you are delivered from the kingdom of darkness? The Bible tells us that we are rescued from the domain of darkness, brought into the kingdom of his son. So you need to remind the devil when he starts whispering to you, you don't live in his territory. His voice does not matter and what he has to say is totally irrelevant in your life because you don't live in that kingdom anymore. Did you know you are strong enough to do anything God calls you to do because the Bible tells us that we can do all things through him who gives us strength. And just for the fun of it, you're actually better off when you're weak because he says, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect, not decent, not okay, but perfect in your weakness. So the worse you are at something, don't let the devil point at you and just go, All oh, the more room for the Holy Spirit, buddy. Did you know that you are redeemed from the hand of the enemy? You're not at his mercy anymore. Did you know you are kept safe from the hand of God you need to stop worrying about what's outside your front door when you're leaving the house did you know you're led by the spirit of god you can choose right over wrong and right over left and yes over no and buy over sell because the holy spirit is telling you which direction to go did you know you are filled with the spirit of god so greater is he who is in you than the one who keeps lying to you about you did you know you're overcoming the devil and he hopes you never figured out Did you know that you are an heir of the blessings of God and all that God has for you, making you co-heirs alongside your big brother, Jesus? Did you know you have a big brother? His name is Jesus. And he's already slapped the devil once and do it any day that you need him to did you know you are more than a conqueror did you know you are the light of the world changing environments changing eternal destinies anywhere you go did you know that you are healed by jesus stripes did you know that you are an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony and did you know last one for today that you are a brother or a sister to the one true king of kings a child of the most high god el shaddai god almighty And if your daddy in heaven says all that to be true, then why in the world would you not believe it? Why would you listen to a lie? It's what your father in heaven says. It's what your father in heaven says about you. And the list goes on. Because he loved you in your worst state. Before you'd ever done anything wrong, knowing you'd do everything wrong. sent his son to die in your place 2000 years ago that's love you are enough so this time I'm going to ask for real and it matters if you put your hand up who wants to take this mindset captive and get it out of your life let me pray for you God I see every hand raised and I know you see those hands raised I pray right now for every hand that was lifted up I pray for those who wanted to and needed to, but didn't raise their hand as well. God, we come before you right now and we thank you for your blessings and your goodness in our lives. And we ask you, would you come and totally eradicate this lie of the devil that may come through lies of the world that has told us we're not enough, that you and your creation and what you have done through us is somehow inadequate. We reject that lie and we say, God, you have made me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made because my father doesn't make mistakes and I will no longer listen for the lies of the enemy God I pray that you will work in each of us you will dethrone and destroy the foundation that that lie has in our thinking you'll bring healing and you will do a spiritual work that only you can do by your Holy Spirit you will do something that no one else can you will make whole what has been made broken you will fill the right need to be affirmed to be loved to be approved We just thank you and praise you here today, God. If you'll stay in a place of prayer, I want to speak to those of you that have yet to make Jesus your king. I just read an incredible list, just a few things of who you are in Christ, but that is only true for those who are in Christ, meaning those who have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior declared Jesus to be their king. It is not true of humans in general, but the good news is if you have never done that, you can do that right now and we can change that. See, the good news is God did love you so much that he sent his son who lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. So when his blood was shed, his body broken, it paid for your sins and mine. And then by the same power that raised him from the dead, that power, that power offers you eternal life. If you have never made this exchange of this free gift of salvation, I want to help you do this right now, wherever you are. Would you simply pray and say something like this to yourself and to God? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And so now I choose to live for you. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. In my simple prayer here today, would you fill me with your spirit and give me a life of great meaning in your kingdom. Amen. Would you all help me celebrate with them, everybody?